The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be putting today's headlines on the couch, and I'm going to analyze some of the surreal stories that are going on in our universe. Uh, on the one hand, we have incredibly, incredibly um, serious stories like Iran getting nuclear weapons. And on the other hand, we have um, outrageously ridiculous stories like um, Levi Johnston uh, being in a new television ad advertising pistachios that I will tell you about. Um, but... You know, so it's hard when you when you pick up the paper or when you watch television or when you, um, you know, get listen to the radio, listen to Voice America when you get uh, the news from the various media sources that you consult. It is um, it brings on a whole myriad of emotions. You know, I, people go from the scary stuff like Iran getting nuclear arms or terrorists and so on, the latest ter- foiled terrorist attack, to, um, to, to because that's, those are things that they feel that they can't control, to the ridiculous, like John and Kate plus eight, because that seems something that one can sort of understand, you know, things um, uh, that go on in divorces and so on, Think these are th- or things about your children. These are things that people understand and think that they have more control over, and so it's much more tempting to um, to just pay attention to those kinds of news stories. And then something sort of in the middle that I think I'll start off with, uh, a lot of times I pick my topics based upon things that I'm being asked uh, to talk about on television and radio and print and so on. Um, and so I'm being asked a lot about what is what <laughs> what was he thinking, David Letterman, with his current um, sextortion plot, as as it's being called. Um, for those of you who need a little background on this, David Letterman, uh, the talk show late night talk show host, has was just confronted by a man who um, is allegedly, he hasn't been convicted yet, allegedly was trying to um, extort money because of information that he had that Letterman had um, been having sex with at least one of the women on his staff. 
it's not clear how much information the extortionist, again, I, I'm not going to keep saying alleged extortionist, let's, let's just, we all know that he has not yet been convicted. So uh, the would-be extortionist, um, that he at least knew about one woman because um, he was the boyfriend of this woman, and that woman's name is Stephanie Burkett. The alleged extortionist is Robert uh, Holderman, who is a producer at CBS, or who was a producer with 48 Hours, which is kind of shocking because that's a very serious kind of uh, news show. Um, but he allegedly tried to get, or and in fact did receive, a check for $2 million from David Letterman, actually from David Letterman's lawyer, um, but it was a phony check. It was a check, presumably, where there was no money. I guess David Letterman had taken his money out of the bank beforehand. and But they did catch him uh, trying to cash the check. Now, of course, this man's, uh, Mr. Halderman's lawyer says that there is a lot more to the story, and uh, I hope for his sake that there is, because it's looking pretty bad right now. Uh, in fact, he's a man who has been divorced twice. He has been described as being rather desperate, the end of his rope, uh, paying, I think it was $7,500, something like that, uh, monthly in um, in payments for child support, and um, somewhat, well, more than somewhat, devastated by the fact that his, his second wife, with whom he had children, uh, fairly recently moved to Colorado and took the children with her, and so he hasn't been able to see the children, and that was... Uh, very devastating to him. Not that this gives him the right to <laughs> extort $2 million, but interestingly, uh, the way that he got this information is that his girlfriend, Stephanie Burkett, kept diaries. Now, I learned this a while ago, <laughs> that it's very dangerous to keep diaries. If you keep a diary, you had better keep it under lock and key. Um, and if you don't, you have to ask yourself whether, in fact, you are unconsciously hoping that someone you have written about in your diary may well look at the diary. Perhaps you want that person to know what your innermost thoughts are about them or about other men in your life. Um, he apparently uh, copied things in her diary. And um, I think what led him to do this is that last fall, Stephanie went uh, with David Letterman to his Montana ranch, and they did some hiking and some other kinds of sports. Um, and uh, this must have made um, Robert Halderman a bit suspicious because it was in December that he then um, checked into her diary, started reading her diary, and discovered that she had been because because he was suspicious that you know she said he was that David Letterman was just a platonic friend, but um, but Halderman became suspicious that they were more than platonic friends, and she was living with Halderman at the time, and so he must have tried to check it out, try, check out his suspicions by looking at her diary, and have, in there found that indeed they were still she and Letterman were still. Uh, carrying on what the New York Post called a steamy affair. So, fast forward, um, we have more recent times when Stephanie moved out of Halderman's home, the home that they shared, 
And where does that leave Halderman, a man twice divorced, already angry at his second wife for taking away the children, uh, taking so much of his money every month for child support, and basically angry at women. And um, this was a way that he could um, kill two birds with one stone. Uh, first of all, get back at Stephanie because of feeling wounded, hurt, that she rejected him, moved away, moved out of his house, um, and at the same time get money to help him with his child support payments and whatever else he had to pay. So it must have seemed like a rather clever plot, a uh, clever idea to to have this extortion plot, but um, David Letterman went to the authorities and it didn't work. Um, he, you know, they set they set up the extortionist with this phony check, and, and now he um, is out on bail, but is um, publicly humiliated and is certainly facing uh, a number of years in jail. So what does this tell us? <laughs> you know, it, 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 um, well, there are a lot of things that one can learn from this story. Uh, first of all, let's talk about sexual harassment in the workplace because that's something that I have been involved as an expert witness in countless sexual harassment cases, sometimes on the side of the plaintiff, mostly usually a woman who has been sexually harassed, and sometimes on the side of the harasser, well, the alleged harasser, the defendant. And sometimes these cases are true. I mean, there, there are... Um, it does occur, of course. There are cases of sexual harassment occurring as we speak right now. <laughs> um, and sometimes these are fabrications of the woman's imagination. Or most often what it is, is um, sexual relationships gone bad. In other words, um, there is a boss or a supervisor, someone in a higher position of power who starts a sexual affair with um, someone beneath them in, in status in the company. And um, usually what occurs is that um, the woman is, is hoping that this will not only, you know, a lot of times it's portrayed as the woman hoping that they'll get a bonus, you know, get extra money or get a raise or um, some kind of work perk like that. But most of the time, it's women who are looking for uh, the relationship to end in marriage, whether the, the boss, the perpetrator is married or not. They are taking this seriously, the women are, and hoping that this will end up walking off into the sunset with their boss. And in fact, um, when the relationship ends, when the boss ends the relationship, because usually he's a serial uh, sexual harasser, and this is just a temporary fun, you know, fun and games for him for a short period of time uh, or however long it suits him. And then when he ends it, that's when we have a woman scorned, and that's when these women most typically file their sexual harassment cases. Now, sometimes there really isn't sexual harassment, and the woman, in fact, um, projects onto her boss her own fantasies, and sometimes um, projects onto him things that were done to her as a child. Um, for example, she was sexually abused as a child, and she interprets some of the things that he does as, um, 
as, as sexual harassment because the boss, consciously or unconsciously, reminds her of the man, typically her father, who sexually abused her as a child. And so uh, in these cases, the allegations are, are, you know, sometimes consciously made up. Or the person is perp- knows what she's doing and, and is malingering to get money. Um, and sometimes it's unconscious. And they think that these things are real when, in fact, it's just the memories of the abuse from their father. So these are very thorny kinds of situations. And needless to say, when you're a late-night talk show host, uh, these thorns get exposed to the public. And everyone gets to weigh in and think about it, just like what we're doing now. And the, the seriousness of this, though, is that, in fact, when there really is sexual harassment, um, the, and not in the spotlight, um, I mean, not necessarily in the spotlight, that the, the wounds, the scars from real sexual harassment can last for a very, very long time. I mean, these women usually need uh, significant uh, psychotherapy for years because of this imbalance of power. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yes, there is more romance going on in the office now than ever before because there are more women in the workforce uh, than ever before. And, you know, <laughs> love happens or sexual attraction happens. And it's one thing when it's between two coworkers at the same level who have the same degree of power, and it's another thing when it's between a boss who has a lot more power than their um, subordinate. And certainly in the case of David Letterman, he, has, uh, he had far more power than any of the women working in his office on so many different levels. When we come back, we'll talk more about that. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. 
Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting today's headlines on my couch and analyzing some of the wild and crazy things that are going on in the world Um, because they are enough to make one's head spin. And um, I try to analyze what's going on to try to uh, help your head from spinning uh, quite as much as it as it's doing, going from things that are incredibly serious and life-threatening, like the atom, well, like like Iran getting uh, materials to make a nuclear bomb, uh, to things that are um, surreal, like uh, Levi Johnston being in a pistachio nut ad. Um, we've been talking about David Letterman, and that kind of goes in between some of these. You know, it's not as serious as a bomb, but it's uh, also not ridiculous because, in fact, people are being exposed to um, the threat of sexual harassment in offices actually all over the world. I mean, I think it's worse in some ways in America, but um, certainly it's a daily problem that people have to deal with, So uh, that some people have to deal with, or, or that... It certainly has brought tension into more offices. Um, so in a, in a sense, it's affecting all of us because it's also working the other way. And the kinds of um, sort of non-threatening or, or not real sexual harassment, but sort of warm and affectionate kind of, kinds of interplay between men and women, uh, there's also been somewhat of a chill put on that because of all of the sexual harassment cases that can be incredibly expensive, and so companies have um, developed policies against it. And for the most part, that's a good thing. But it also has, um, you know, put more tension, sexual tension into the workplace because when a man goes to hug a woman colleague, for example, co-worker, um, it could be totally harmless. And yet, for many men, all the... the the red flag goes up, oh, my goodness, you know, is she going to claim that I'm being sexually harassing when, in fact, that's not necessarily their intention at all? 
uh, in the majority of cases, really. So, anyway, getting back to David Letterman. Um, now, what's interesting is that Stephanie, um, the woman at the center of this, whose diary was read, Stephanie Burkett, uh, there are, she's approximately 34 or 35, according to whichever news report you want to believe. In any case, that is biological clock ticking time. And in fact, there have been, there's been at least one report that said that um, after she went to, she began at the David Letterman show quite a while ago, um, I think it was 1997 originally, and um, as an intern. And then she did various other jobs at CBS and, and in fact at 48 Hours, which is presumably where she met Halderman, um, who is the alleged extortionist. Um, but so then at some point she went to law school uh and um she was she has been graduated and um there has been at least one report that said that she told Halderman that she wanted to marry him and have a baby um and that David Letterman was going to be hiring her as his personal attorney so that she could still be on the payroll. And she allegedly offered Halderman uh, that she would be the one earning the money, thousands of dollars a month, and um, that he could stay home and be Mr. Mom. Now, I guess perhaps Halderman... Is after two marriages that went wrong, um, perhaps he was uh, hesitant, <laughs> to say the least, to get into another marriage and have another baby um, and have another chance of having to pay child support for that child. Um, I don't know. Though all those details are rather hazy, and presumably they will come out during his trial. But, um, but you know, if if... We don't know exactly yet why she left Halderman, but perhaps it was, you know, when he didn't go for this Mr. Mom plan and she, her biological clock was ticking and she moved on. But nonetheless, he would have still been felt rejected and angry that she left him, uh, felt abandoned it, because, you know, he was presumably happy with their arrangements the way they were living together in Connecticut. Um, so we're, this is all, you know, we're just at the beginning of the soap opera, but these are all sort of intriguing uh, plot points to consider. There's also another intern that of David Letterman's who has come out. Her name is Holly Hester, and she had um, a fling for about a year with Letterman, and um, she, this is what she has said. She said, I was madly in love with him at the time. I would have married him. He was hilarious. Um, she supposedly has gone on to become a Hollywood producer. And she said that after the year-long romance, secret romance, because he was, he was going out with the woman he married from before this. So she was dating him. Uh, she said he called her up and asked her to go to the movies, but she, he was at that point already dating the woman who he married this past March. So, I mean, he wasn't, uh, I guess, you know, he wasn't technically married. I'm not sure if he was living with that woman yet at that point, but um, it didn't seem to stop him because afterwards um, is when he was with Stephanie. Uh, and we don't know how many other people are going to be coming out of the woodwork, other interns or women who worked for him. Um, she, uh, 
she said that uh, he called it off after the year because of their age difference. So she was approximately the same age as, you know, she was an intern and Stephanie was an intern, so he goes for interns, but he realizes that um, this is not, these are not going to work or he thinks that these are not going to work long term, and so he ends the relationship. But meanwhile, um, the women are sort of left with their hearts broken. Um, and I dare say that uh, the man that Stephanie moved on to, Holderman, the alleged um, extortionist, was not quite <laughs> was not quite as funny um, as David Letterman. Certainly, he isn't now. So that's that's that. So what what can we learn from that? Well, first of all, I. One of the things I'm being asked is what should happen to David Letterman. And I think what should happen is that Stephanie Burkett and perhaps uh, these other women should um, should come forward. Well, they've already, at least, two of them at least, have already been unmasked in the media, so they don't have anything to hide at this point um, in terms of their identification anyway. Um but they should come forward and they should file sexual harassment suits, in my opinion, and this would um, set a good example to other women because look at the example that they are setting. If they don't, uh, they're setting the example that it's okay for a man to, um, a man in power at the workplace to play games with women who are beneath them uh, in terms of job status. And why isn't this good? What's the problem with this? Well, the problem is that consciously or unconsciously, women, and yes, it does, I should have a little caveat here, this does happen, and actually with increasing frequency, but nowhere near the frequency where it happens that it's the male boss and the female employee. Um, But it is happening more frequently than ever before that it's now women bosses and male underlings, um, but it's still, that is a small, small percentage compared to the male bosses uh, sexually harassing the women. But the message, you know, why this isn't right is because consciously or unconsciously, the women have um, an expectation that they're going to get something out of it. And as I was saying, some of them, yes, are consciously going after the bonus or consciously going after perhaps even thinking that, uh, you know, it's giving them some power to, to have this secret. But for the most part, it's women who really are caught up in the romance. It's like being in love or having a relationship with daddy. It's like winning over mommy in the Oedipal Triangle and having a relationship with daddy. And that's very, very um, uh, tempting, especially it's also tempting even if you think about it in more, uh, I don't know, less psychological terms, just the idea of um, that here's the boss and he's picking you. There are all these women in the workplace and he's picking you to have a special relationship with. Um, it's very tempting. It's very titillating. It's, you know, it's very easy to fall into that and to feel that this is going to lead somewhere, that you're going to not just, that the boss just doesn't just want to have sex with you, but he's madly in love with you and he wants to be with you forever. And of course, you know, that usually brings along with it uh, living the boss's lifestyle, living a life of luxury. So um, that's this, this imbalance of power. And also, of course, there's the threat that if you don't go along with what the boss wants, that, um, that 
there will be repercussions that perhaps you'll get uh, the scut work, you know, you'll get a bad shift, you'll get things to do at the job that you don't really want to do and, and not get the things that you would like to do. Um, and, of course, most of all, the biggest threat is being fired. And, of course, especially today in the economy, that is a huge threat. And that's the kind of threat that is actually, um, well, it's used, it's used at all levels, but a lot of times it's used like with factory workers, you know, who are barely holding on to their jobs. So the problem is that it's always wrong to have this kind of relationship because, because of this imbalance of power, and that's no way to start a real relationship. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the other headlines, uh, the sublime to the ridiculous. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 
5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting today's headlines on the couch. We've been talking about David Letterman and uh, sexual harassment. Just a few final words about sexual harassment and why I think that it is really important for the women who have been identified as victims of uh, David Letterman's sexual harassment to come forward and file a lawsuit because otherwise it will be a disservice to all the other women who have been in this predicament and for that matter all the other men who have all the other, all the men who have uh, been victims of sexual harassment and for that matter of course it can be same sex sexual harassment too there's there's uh, enough to go around and it's and it's bad and it's wrong and it does leave psychological scars and it's because there's no way to have consensual sex. I mean, that's what uh, David Letterman is trying to say, that this was consensual. But it's just like you can't have consensual sex with a child uh, because the child can't consent because the parent or the adult has much more power than they do. And so there's no way that, that they can psychologically be in a position to consent. Similarly, uh, in the workplace, when your boss or your your supervisor has so much power over you, there's no way that psychologically you can be in a position to make that decision to consent. So what should people do? What should a boss do um, if he feels himself or herself attracted to a subordinate? Well, what they should do is to um, have a conversation, uh, a brief brief conversation um, where they they acknowledge their feelings um, and say that they do not believe in sexual harassment, that they, you know, not only is it wrong legally, but that they recognize that it's unfair. And if the person, their subordinate, would like to have a relationship with them, then they need to get another job. Perhaps the boss can help them get another job. But um, And if they're not interested, then the boss needs to let them know, well, that's the end of that. They're certainly not going to pursue them. But, but um, certainly, you know, doing these covert operations while you're both still working in the same place is just going to end in disaster. Let's go on to another headline. Um, well, I've been mentioning uh, I've been mentioning Levi Johnston, and you know it's kind of ironic that here uh, David Letterman was in the news not that long ago with his crude joke about Sarah Palin's daughters, and uh, you know imagine if people would have known if at that time that he had been um, committing sexual multi, multiple if he was a was a serial sexual harasser. Um, then he would have gotten a lot more condemnation than he did for the very um, inappropriate joke that he made about Sarah Palin's daughters. Um, having, I don't remember the exact details of the joke, but it was something about uh, Alex Rodriguez. I, I don't know. It was a sexual joke related to Alex Rodriguez. After after commenting upon it myself in the media, it's kind of gone out of my head because it really wasn't. Uh, it was just in bad taste. Um, so we have, and I am not a fan of Sarah Palin. I have acknowledged that before. I was a fan and, in fact, a campaigner uh, on the local level for McCain, and um, certainly he 
did himself in by picking Seraph Palin as his running mate. I think he had a chance to win, but when he didn't listen to his own maverick ideas and he listened to people on his campaign who said to pick Sarah Palin, that was the end of that. And I tried to contact people as high up as I had contacts in uh, in the Republican Party to try to get them to change that because there was the hurricane going on and the, the convention hadn't formally started yet. Um, but it wasn't changed, and we all know what happened. Nonetheless, um, and I certainly hope that she does not try to run uh, for the, in the next presidential election. Nonetheless, we have um, the new, everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame. So the latest, or one of the latest ones to want that and to be starting to get it is Levi Johnston, the boyfriend of Sarah Palin's daughter uh, with whom he had a baby out of wedlock. And, of course, they're having problems in their relationship and and uh, not getting married as was uh, <laughs> the uh, the shotgun wedding is off um, which is kind of unfortunate because if she hadn't been in the public eye the two of them might well have been able to work something out which of course would have been better for their child um, but now Levi Johnson who's been shopping a book around and he's been he's been trying to get into the media any which way he can and he is now in an ad, and it's an ad for pistachio nuts. Um, he quit his oil field job in January, and um, he's a high school dropout. He's 19, and he's starring in this TV commercial for the wonderful brand of pistachios. And in this ad, uh, he's wearing a green T-shirt with state of Alaska on it, and he is, uh, he walks in with a bodyguard, and there are people who are supposed to be paparazzi calling out to him, and um, he opens up a, uh, cracks open a nut, and a voiceover says, now Levi Johnston does it with protection. Talk about, um, talk about bad (laughs) taste. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Pun intended, but um, I mean this is just this is just an incredible bad taste. And um, regardless of what one may think about uh, Sarah Palin and politically, I mean this is just. Um, I know he's 19, and I know he wants his 15 minutes of fame, and and he's angry actually uh, at Sarah Palin for interfering in their relationship. Um, Word has it, according to him, that he's not being allowed to see his child as much as he wants to, and so on. But um, this is just, you know, it's it's really scary when you see things like this. Um, from Letterman to Levi Johnston, I, I mean, the world is. And I'm going to the next headline is another example of how we're just sinking into such um, tawdriness. You know, it, it's just. Um, it's like people will do anything to get into the spotlight, even if that is has to be something sexual or with a sexual connotation, um, or 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 have a temper tantrum in public, which kind of brings us to the next headline, which is John and Kate plus eight. Um, as I'm sure you all know, they're going through a divorce, and. 
um, when TLC decided that, okay, um, if John wants to uh, do some of the sexual antics that he's been involved with, I mean, he's so pathetic because he thinks that these women want to be with him because he's a sexy stud or whatever he thinks. Um, But in fact, it's just because they want their 15 minutes of fame. Uh, Glassman, Haley Glassman, um, (laughs) she's not madly in love with him. She's madly in love with being in the spotlight. And in fact, she had tried to be on a reality show and was rejected. And so this is her way of getting into the spotlight. And he's going to be left holding the bag. I mean, when he gets out of the media uh, or when his money runs out, these women are not going to want to be with him. And I think he may be getting, beginning to get a clue about that because um, he's talking about, you know, wanting to work things out with Kate. Now, he's not saying that he wants to still be married to her, at least not at this point or at least not publicly. But um, I think he may be realizing that he just screwed up a good thing. I mean, yes, Kate wasn't an angel. She put him down on national television repeatedly and so on. And yes, the two of them should have gone way before this. Uh, if they were going to be on television with their family, they, they should have gone to therapy when they started having problems. Um, but they didn't. And they're heading for divorce court. Um, but as soon as TLC decided that they didn't really want him to be involved in the show anymore because of his sexual exploits and his just making a fool of himself and how inappropriate it was for him to be behaving like that um, when he was when the divorce papers aren't even finalized um, they decided to just make the show uh, about Kate and the eight children um, from John and Kate plus eight to Kate plus eight and as soon as John heard that he had a temper tantrum and got his lawyer to um, send a cease and desist letter to TLC to get them to prohibit the production crews from entering the Gosselin family home. Now, I mean, it was so uh, obvious that this was because he thought that he was uh, indispensable, and when he heard that the show was going to, the show would go on without him, this was just too much for his little. Um, childish brain to accept and so he decided to just call the whole thing off and now of course the the latest is that he allegedly um, took money took approximately $230,000 from their bank account leaving Kate with approximately $1,300 in that bank account. That's not to say that Kate doesn't have any secret bank accounts. I mean, I, I don't know that she, whether she does or she doesn't. Same thing with him. I know she's been making money on her book and so on, but, um, or books, but they, they may both have secret bank accounts or not. But in any case, he <laughs> took them, <laughs> he took that money from their account and now Kate is saying, if I have to work at McDonald's, I will do what it takes. I'm sure she'd rather continue working under the spotlight of Kate Plus 8, but for right now, that is not an option. Well, we need to take another break. We'll be back, putting more headlines on the couch. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Son, we got to talk about drinking. I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't, yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about today's headlines, putting them on the couch. Um, let me talk about a couple of more serious headlines. Uh, one of the most serious headlines has to do with um, health care. Of course, that's the health care bill or bills that are being debated uh, in Congress and getting down to the wire. There yesterday... Um, there were 
there was a, a propaganda <laughs> set up, a propaganda what photo op set up, where Obama invited 150 doctors from 50 states, had them wear lab coats, all wearing white lab coats. I mean, you know, most doctors, um, I mean, not all doctors are wearing lab coats at all times. I mean, certainly as a psychiatrist, I don't wear a lab coat. Yes, of course, certain other, you know, if other doctors are more likely to wear lab coats, but this is clearly done to convey this this impression because he even said um, that he, he, nobody has more credibility with the American people on this issue than you do, Obama said to these physicians. And he urged them to, quote, fan out across the country, unquote, and work for health care reform. In other words, support his bill. But um, this group, I mean, this was such a setup because, in fact, most doctors do not want the Obama plan uh, for many different reasons. And, and they are not, for the most part, um, self-serving reasons. It's really because of being able, wanting to be able to care for patients in a um, way that is more effective. So we have Representative Tom Price, who's a Republican from Georgia and a physician, and also Dr. Donald Pomisano, who is a former American Medical Association president. They said that physician support for the Democrats' proposals wasn't as widespread as Monday's event, yesterday's event, implied. We're very concerned that a hand-picked group of physicians were applauding a government takeover of health care. A random sampling of doctors wouldn't show quite so many people applauding. And that's absolutely right. I mean, this was just made. I, I just hate when this happens. You know, you, it's, it, it just seems so un-American. You just when the president is doing. I mean, I know you know politics and politics have gotten nastier and more uh, partisan and all of that. But it's just. I mean, doesn't it make you angry? How stupid does the president think we all are that we're going? And I know some of you are for the health care plan, although you've. Uh, please, if you haven't heard my show or, um, from several weeks back, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago, where I interviewed people who were very much involved with this in a group organizing doctors, take back medicine, um, that, that were trying, that were opposing this plan and explaining why one should be against this plan. If you haven't heard that show, please go back through the archives and listen to it. Um, and take some action, contact the White House, you know, with an email or a phone call or contact your congressman. Um, but it isn't for these self-serving reasons. And so it's just so um, scary, quite frankly, that a president would resort to such propaganda as to give the impression when he knows that it's damn well that, this, that most physicians are not in favor of his health plan. He constructs this meeting at the White House to make it look like all the doctors in their white coats um, are all for it. And it just it just should make you mad, at least for that, that he's thinking that you're that stupid, that you're going to just go along with that and believe that all doctors um, go along with, his, with socialized medicine, the plan for socialized medicine. I've lived in countries... Uh, where there's been socialized medicine. Believe me, you do not want to be there. Canada, uh, the closest country to America in terms of socialized health care, you don't want that. People, um, people do not get appointments for weeks or months. You know, you die waiting for procedures. 
you can't have there was a baby a story about a baby recently um, where the mother was giving birth prematurely and there were all these complications they had to get the baby over the border to the United States because the baby couldn't get there was no room in the neonatal nurseries I mean these kind, these are stories these stories are real and this is a real threat that we have the the, the president the government uh, Congress these people are not God they are not the ones to decide when you should live and when you should die. You know, who's to live and who's to die. These are not decisions that should be made by the government because one day when you find yourself at the wrong end of these decisions, um, you're, you're going to be very upset and realize, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't have gone along with this. Maybe I should have take, taken some action to contact my congressman to be against it. But, you know, the problem is you have to find out um, there's so much rhetoric and so much false information that is coming from uh, the Democrats and the presidential office, that, and there's so, the, the plan is so complicated that you can get buried, in try, <laughs> literally, in trying to understand what is going on. But please, please listen to that radio show, because these people who I interviewed um, did explain some of the reasons why this would be a very dangerous situation. Now, of course, um, one of the things that I will have to talk to you about in another show, because I don't want to give it short shrift, um, is the story of Naji Zazi, the latest terrorist plot to be foiled, uh, from smiling coffee vendor to terror suspect. Here was a man who, um, actually, the, <laughs> as, as many of you know, I've written a book called Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted. It was published in the U.K. Um, on the one-year anniversary, it was in 2006, the one-year anniversary of 7-7, which is the U.K.'s uh, 9-11. And um, I'm working on the American version of it, which is essentially, which is mostly going to be the same, I mean, the same principles. Um, and I am very concerned about how we all are living in denial. And when something like this happens, this is the man who was caught, uh, his plan was to to um, detonate explosives uh, on the anniversary, this past anniversary of September 11th, and um, he was fortunately stopped before it could happen. But for every one person who is stopped and his group of people who surround him, who were involved with him, um, there are. this is an ongoing threat. There are people in America... Uh, from homegrown terrorists, Americans, people who were born here, who are who are disenchanted, who are feeling they're never going to get the American dream, who are angry with the government, uh, who may have been in prison and been um, been converted to radical Islam in prison. Many different reasons why uh, homegrown terrorists, as well as terrorists coming from other countries, who want to uh, see the downfall of the West happen. This is an ongoing threat. And I am, have devoted myself to trying to help you um, to understand that you should not be in denial, but you need to learn how to cope with living under this ongoing threat. That even though we pretend we're not worried about, in fact, unconsciously, it is eating away at us, literally eating away at us, and causing us to have psychological problems as well as physical problems. But we will talk more about that. I promise you, you will. <laughs> I don't know if, if that's if you're, 
if you're happy or not, but we do we do need to look at this because because our decisions every day are really being affected by the fact that we hear these kinds of things in the news and we may want to discard them consciously, but we're still thinking about them unconsciously, even though we turn to things like David Letterman to uh, to help us to stop thinking about what really the threats that are really out there. Well, this was a potpourri, and I hope I've given you some insights, some way of putting all this this uh, flurry of uh, crazy news stories, surreal news stories, putting it all in perspective, at least the ones that we've talked about so far today. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.